Welcome to Clocking In, Forces of NC Manufacturing. I'm your host, Phil Mintz, Director of the North Carolina Manufacturing Extension Partnership, otherwise known as NCMEP. My role is to drive outreach to NC manufacturers, build relationships to federal and state leaders, and coordinate efforts to drive profitable manufacturing growth in North Carolina. Throughout my time working closely with manufacturers, I have heard the most quirky, curious, and memorable stories. I wanted to turn these stories into a podcast so that others may hear and be informed and inspired. From humble beginnings to manufacturing titans, from tragedy to triumph, I will be interviewing some of these manufacturers who have made North Carolina manufacturing the powerhouse that it is today. Recruiting and retaining talent is a concern of almost every business today, but it's a special concern for manufacturers who may not be able to run the machines of a factory or prepare completed goods for shipment to customers. There are so many aspects to understanding the needs of workers and how companies should address those needs to ensure availability of the workers they need. Fortunately, the state of North Carolina understands the importance of investing in workforce development, including the advising of businesses on best practices in managing new hires and long-term employees. On this episode of Clocking In, I'm speaking with Dr. Jenny Harris, who is the Executive Director of Business Services at the North Carolina Department of Commerce's Workforce Solutions Division. This division administers statewide system of workforce programs that prepare North Carolinians for employment and further focuses on helping North Carolina job seekers find employment and businesses find workers. Dr. Harris is no stranger to the broader work of Commerce Department and she has held positions in economic development, serves on boards in support of innovation and entrepreneurship, and has even been a business owner herself. Jenny has a bachelor's degree in English from the University of North Carolina at Wilmington, a master's of public administration from North Carolina Central University, and a doctorate of public policy and administration from the Westchester University of Pennsylvania. Now, I could go on, but we would certainly run out of time with all the good you have done already to this point, Jenny. But thank you for taking time to speak with us today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. You know, it appears like many successful professionals, you were sort of born to engage others in the way that you do. I mean, how do you explain your early and long-term interest in commitment and community and business affairs? How do you? Oh, interesting question. Um, I don't know if I can truly explain it. I, I just know that throughout my career, I've always done something that I enjoyed. You know, you always hear about people who have a job and they they either don't like it, they dream of doing something else. And I've I've never I've never done that. I've always known that, oh, this is the right move for me right now. I did through Leadership North Carolina, in fact, I did a study of myself one time that that looked at that your your characteristics and who you are and why you do what you do. And it's feedback from other people. And the one thing that was the common theme that I heard from other people around me about me is that I connect people. 
And so I thought that that was really interesting. That was um, several years ago. I thought that was interesting. And so I've really made that sort of my internal mantra that I'm just that that's who I am. That's who I'm supposed to be. And I just continue with work that revolves around connecting people for the benefit of whatever it is that they're doing. Were you always a connector, even on the playground when you were young? I think so. I think back to like all my groups of friends, even my girlfriends right now, they're all friends because I introduced them or I had a book club and invited them or a wine night or, you know, whatever, invited people to go hiking, you know, and and that's how they all met. But I I think so. So we talked about your work in the business services unit, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But what do you think your experience as a business owner with employees how has that has helped you with the work that you do now? I mean, has changed has things changed that much since you had your business and you were developing a staff? Yeah, it um it has changed. I had my business back in the 90s and there were a lot of people. Now it was a graphic design company, a marketing company, and it was very local, regional in Southeast North Carolina. We had clients as far away as Raleigh, but when I needed staff, when I needed to grow the business, I had lots of people to choose from. I don't remember there being a, oh my gosh, I can't find anybody to come work for me. I did a little bit of training for one person that I hired, but I had a very small, so I only had three or four people on my staff, but still there were specific skill sets that I was looking for and I was able to find them. That's just not the case today. There are lots of reasons behind that, but I think the workforce need now is is not just related to COVID. It's just related to the change in in times and in culture and in in everything. So it's very different from when I had a business a long time ago. So how do people generally recognize the activities of the Workforce Solutions Division of the Department of Commerce? And how does that unit fit into the structure and the needs of businesses. So uh, this is about work that your unit, what, what do you do? Yeah, we are the division of workforce solutions in the department of commerce is the state's workforce agency. Every state has a state workforce agency that's mandated by federal law. We are funded by federal dollars. We don't receive state dollars. Some states do receive um, their state dollars, but we don't receive any state dollars. It's just federally funded. It's federally mandated. Everything is through the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, that federal law and policy. And so our agency oversees the um, training, technical assistance, the performance reporting, the allocations of funds, the monitoring, all of that of the local workforce system, which is which is a statewide system. We have career centers across the state. We have local workforce boards that hire staff to carry out um, strategies for the econ- for their regional economies. And then we work with partner with our major partners, NC State, the UNC system, the community college system. One of the big differences when people hear workforce development is the difference between recruiting and hiring and training. A lot of people immediately think of the community college system for workforce development, and that is certainly one piece. We have to train people. But we, as I've joked with some of my community college counterparts, You can't train people if you can't find them. So those recruitment strategies and identifying, doing skills assessments and things like that, that's what our side does. And it works with both job seekers and with employers. 
um, the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, that federal law that we um, refer to as WIOA, that the focus there is on the employer need. So the employers really drive what it is that we do, the skills that are needed, the training that's needed, and the jobs that are needed. So our role is in response to that. So get into a little bit of the specific challenges that you're finding employers have in general, but manufacturers specifically are facing in trying to have workers in place to meet the demand of the customers. It's it's so many different things, isn't it? It it really is. (laughs) (laughs) There's um, the challenges of manufacturing employers. One is North Carolina is number one in in the country for business. So recruiting Uh, manufacturing businesses, especially around electronic vehicles, parts manufacturing and all that, aviation with Boom Supersonic in Greensboro, just all of the manufacturing companies that are being recruited and that are expanding here in North Carolina are um, having just ginormous amounts of of hires, 7,500 here, 12,000 here. Those people don't appear out of nowhere. And so the the challenge is this is so much bigger than a, a micro regional recruitment effort where see like Fidelity Investments back in February was recruiting in Durham and in Charlotte for 400 customer service reps. We certainly helped, but that's where the career centers can help, the local and regional career centers can help, the local workforce boards can help develop strategies for recruitment. These are massive. Infosys, Toyota, VinFast, those companies are looking at not just a 35 to 55 mile radius for workers. They're looking at a 90 mile radius and some even further into you know, other states. So we have to come up with recruitment st- strategies, which we haven't done before for these big projects. The community college system was allocated funding from the General Assembly to hire two positions to help coordinate at the training level, at the community college level. We've been given approval to also hire two people under our unit to be able to work directly in coordination with the community college system for these major projects. And so we're able, we're right now, we're actually finalizing some of those job descriptions, looking at the scope of work, defining what a major project is, so that we can make sure that we're working hand in hand with the community college, not just at the local level, but at the statewide and out of state level. So there's the the heavy load of recruiting, but then there's also retention, right? Right. And so how do, how do you keep the people that we already have excited and staying there? Yeah, that's been a big question because it, at first, at the beginning of COVID, even we were ha- even before COVID, we were having questions about retention. But during COVID, you know, all the employers who were doing massive hiring were asking for our help in coming up with recruitment strategies, even to the point where a lot of economic development organizations at local, regional, and state level are looking at marketing outside of the state to recruit people in. For, for those recruitment jobs, for the new hires. But as far as retention goes, it's a tight labor market. And so you've really got to look at how to best continue to engage your employees because it's no secret that a lot of employees will jump 
from one company to another for 50 cents and, you know, or a better benefit or something. So a lot of companies that we've worked with over the last few years, we've really talked to them about their job descriptions, making sure that those are updated. Um, I have a funny story about a food processing company that had a very, very outdated job description. And so making sure that the job that they're doing is not only what's in the job description, but looking internally for upskilling, for internal hiring, making sure that the employees know you have a career growth here. It's not just, you're not just going to do this entry-level job forever. There's opportunity for growth. Also, onboarding, making sure that onboarding is a little bit more involved. A lot of people that are coming into a new job, a lot of times they will get shown where their desk is, where their office is, here's a laptop, now go to work. And you you can't do that. You want to keep your employees engaged from day one until. I, I saw recently where there was a group of manufacturing companies in Southeast North Carolina who were giving gas cards each week to their employees. It was a $20 gas card, but it was a it was a nice gesture to you know, to relay to their employees, we understand that driving to work is costing more right now. And, and so we want to keep you. And, and so things like that also um, work shift changes. So those with child care issues, senior care issues, a lot of companies are becoming a little bit more flexible on work hours, teleworking, of course, remote working, some of that hybrid, those policies are going into place, looking at additional labor pools, you know, some of those non-traditional labor pools to hire those workers to add to the employee base so that you can offer that flexibility. Um, A lot of those things are what we've been gearing employers to do in the last couple of years. Yeah, I want a gas card. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think that technology, what, how, how is that having an effect on workforce solutions? You know, you and I just was in a meeting the other day where one of our council members talked about how they installed this new automated production machine that would increase production, uh, but it, it would reduce the needs of workers from six, but just to four. That's four different, diff- a different type of a worker, right? And so is there an indication that more technology savvy workers would be easier to develop and retain or I think to some degree, yes. And and what that means is that the training needs are changing. So instead of putting workers through or potential candidates or job seekers through a, a program, an automation program that's already created and established at the community college system, it's an opportunity to look at alternative training options like customized training specifically to that piece of equipment uh, on the job training where you're bringing somebody in to actually work on that piece of machinery while they're getting trained in a classroom so that they're getting both aspects. It's it's a good opportunity for the company because obviously it's going to, in the long run, help their production needs and let let them be more prosperous, but it's also a good opportunity for the employees to learn new skills that might they might be able to take to a higher level within that company. Now, going from needing six employees to four employees, while that's a reduction of two, it's not a reduction of five. And so at least, you know, that that's a good thing. We just have to be able to make sure that the training for those four people meets the needs of that employer and that new piece of equipment. Yeah, I mean, are you still seeing, you know, where employees are getting displaced 
by the new technology at the levels that we had seen in the past or yeah i wouldn't say that they're being they're being displaced because of technology i think they're being displaced for other reasons but getting a new job you know get for those displaced workers in finding new jobs the technology might be the barrier not knowing what that technology is so working with those employers to say hey you, we might not be able to find the exact worker that you need right now, but we have somebody who is capable of learning what that piece of machinery needs to run it. And so working with the employers who are more and more open to that, to that option, getting them jobs into those companies has worked out fairly well. So Jenny, what is the promise for the future of how we find people and get them in these jobs? And I mean, what do you, I mean, what is your team learning about how this can happen as we continue to make these big announcements. I mean, is there any hope? You know, that's a great question. And, and of <laughs> course I can't predict the future. Yeah. Bill. Yes, you know you can. that. Sure. Um, but I, I just, I can tell you that it's taking more thought and strategy to meet the need. It's, it's taking more innovation. So we have to look at transitional skills. We're, I'm working on a project with North Carolina AHEC, some recruitment strategies for them and recruitment strategies for the offshore wind, wind energy industry, as we, you know, the state looks, looks to that as an option. So in the EV manufacturing, all of these major, major projects and, and the industries that are going to require so many employees, it's just it's not the same as it was before. It's completely different. And that's what um, that's exciting. And it's also allowing us to really think outside the box on how do we find these people, not just recruiting them from other states, but let's look at other industries. We um, a year or so ago, we looked at the NASCAR industry, you know, there were some contractual changes that happened within the NASCAR industry. And so we looked there to say, okay, well, here's all these people that know already how to do automobile parts manufacturing. They could transfer into the offshore wind industry to build the windmills that are out out at sea, and now even translate those skills into the um, electronic vehicle manufacturing. So really looking at at all of these other economic factors in the state to see where we can pull from, not that we're pulling and poaching, that's very different, but where are the opportunities to pull potential job seekers from? Okay. Well, I finally, Jenny, I read somewhere where you described yourself as a nerd, uh, someone, who, <laughs> someone who likes to read academic journals. You know, where did that come from? Are, are you, oh are, are you one of those people who's always reading a book and have a list of books that they want to read next? Yeah, you should see the stack. <laughs> I do have a stack of books. Um, when I was working at UNCW, uh, my role was community strategic community partnership. So how do we align the education here with the economy and what's happening in the region? And I had my bachelor's at the time and just, be, I think being in that academic setting, just, mm-hmm. you just kind of rebirthed my, my interest in, in learning. So I went to get my master's at NC central, which was a fantastic program. And uh, my professors there encouraged me to go on and get my doctorate because of my master's thesis. It was really interesting about the North Carolina economy. And so I went on to get my doctorate and loved it and just, 
I just love reading those things because they're short. They're not whole novels or anything. They're, they're fairly short. The academic journals are short, but you can learn so much from it. You can take away so much and translate it into to, to your work. And um, I love looking at data. You know, what is the data telling us? Is it telling us the same thing that, that the employers are telling us and the job seekers are telling us? Just, just looking at all of those different pieces to determine, you know, what a strategy might be or, or decision making. Do you always read for fun? I mean, for, for knowledge or do you read for fun too? I do read for, it took me about two years after getting my doctorate to actually pick up a novel. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and so I do read, I do read novels too. What are you reading now? Oh gosh, I just can't, finished. Can we so. talk about it? <laughs> we can. So I found out how to sign up online at the library to check out books online and, ha- you know, have read books through Kindle, which I had not done before. And so I was just reading a book. This is so not academic at all, but Janet Ivanovich is a like really silly kind of crime. There's a character. Anyway, these little silly crime novels. She's on number 28. So I was reading that. I was four pages from being done. And the, the, um, the, the lender, I mean, the library took it back because it was due that day. So I didn't wow. even get to finish. <laughs> but there was a there's a movie out now called Where the Crawdads Sing. Uh-huh. I don't know. Um, I heard, a lot of I heard there, about that. That people are saying it's, they were giving it really rave reviews. Yeah, it's great, and it is really to the book. So that was the very first book I picked up two years after getting my doctorate, and it's such a good book. It really got me back into reading novels too. So that's yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, that's not too nerdy. So there, there, there at is all. Well, Jenny, thank you for taking some time to speak to us today. I mean, it's always good to talk to you about work and stuff, but it's good to learn a little bit more about you as well. And again, it's always helpful for our manufacturing listeners to understand what's going on in workforce. And I know you and your team's doing a great job of figuring things out. Well, it's all, thank you for having me. This, this has been um, good. And I really appreciate the opportunity to share that we are working on strategies. We do work with employers. We want to hear from more employers. So we, we do everything we can to, to find opportunities to reach out and, and hear from employers about what they really need. So we, we make sure that we're aligned with what we're doing. Great. Dr. Jenny Harris, who's the Executive Director of Business Services of the North Carolina Department of Commerce's Workforce Solutions Division. Thanks again, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you for joining today's Clocking In, Voices of NC Manufacturing. This podcast is brought to you by NC State's College of Engineering, the North Carolina Manufacturing Extension Partnership, and Industry Expansion Solutions. If you'd like to learn more about the solutions NCMEP offers, go to www.ncmep.org. Want to listen to previous Clocking In podcasts? Go to ncmep.org slash clocking in.